This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. What were my experiences with Sai Baba of Shirdi? And have I read the Sai Charita? Yes, I've read the Sai Charita, which is the collection of stories of his life. Amazing book. Sri Sai Sacharita. I think it's called the official. There it is. Sri Sai Sacharita. Yeah. Published by Enlightenment Press. Uh, it's an incredible book. So one time uh, someone brought a picture of Shirdi Sai Baba to Maharaji and he put it down uh, below Maharaji. And Maharaji immediately took it and put it up on the windowsill behind him. And he said, if anyone wants to know what a real guru is, Shirdi Sai Baba. And that, coming from Maharaji, that's unbelievable praise. And everybody, he's well recognized as being a Siddha, a completely enlightened being, and incredible stories. Uh, he there was a book about him called The Incredible Sai Baba, I think by Arthur Osborne. Uh, amazing stories, amazing being. Really extraordinary. I did have his darshan once in a dream. Uh, a friend of mine was going to Shirdi on pilgrimage and I asked him to make a donation at the temple at the, at the shrine where his samadhi shrine is. And it's funny, it was a long time ago. It was before, I was out in Santa Fe and I was just about to record, try to record ch- chanting for the first time. Uh, that didn't work out that well and it was never released. But I was t- going to go up the next day to Taos and, and uh, start trying to record some. But that night, one night, I woke up and I had just been having some kind of dream of Shirdi Baba, Shirdi Sai Baba. And it turned out it was on that, at that very time in India that my friend was making that donation at his shrine. So that was really amazing. I went to the Ganga many, many, many times over many, many, many years. Uh, it's a beautiful experience. You know, the, 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 the belief about the Ganga is that when you take bath in the Ganga, all your sins are washed away. All your negative karmas are washed away. But I, I think it was Maharaji who said, or some other great saint who said, yeah, they're all washed away, but when you get out, they come back, <laughs> they come back to you. So it's not that easy, but Ganga is very, uh, it's a very sacred space and uh, very beautiful to sit by the Ganga. All rivers are, are extraordinary. In India, the rivers are very important for so many things. They bring life to 
millions and hundreds of millions of people because that's where the main source of water is. People live along the banks of these rivers and uh, they are like the lifeblood of the country. In this age, in the Kali Yuga, they say in the Satyuga, the saints uh, lived around the banks of the Ganga. In the Treta Yuga or the Dwarpara Yuga, they lived along the banks of the Yamuna. But in the Kali Age, the Kali Yuga now, they live along the banks of the Narmada. They hide along those banks. They're not easily found. They stay away from people. Would Hanumanji approve of his disciples for marriage as he was Brahmachari? <laughs> well, who knows what Hanuman is and what Hanuman isn't? Who knows how many different forms he's taken over millions and millions of lifetimes to help people? You know. <clears throat> After my nervous breakdown in the temple, I, you may know this story. Uh, um, Maharaji had been teasing me about getting married. And the whole time I had been in India, at that point about a year and a half, I guess it was, <clears throat> I hadn't been in any relationship. And... Uh, but he started teasing me about getting married and I was getting very nervous. <laughs> so anyway, one day I, I, he, I, I went up to his window. No, no, I went out in the jungle one day and I tried to meditate, but I was too crazy. My mind was freaking out. I went running back into the temple and he was like waiting for me at his window and he called me over and I went over and he said, you're Bajrangbali. What's your name? And I said, Krishnadas. And he said, Nay, Bajrangbali. Bajrangbali means thunderbolt bodied, uh, strong thunderbolt body, like a lightning bolt, Hanuman. <clears throat> Very powerful form of Hanuman, name of Hanuman. He said, What's your name? I said, Krishnadas. He said, Nay, Bajrangbali. What's your name? I said, Krishnadas. He said, Nay, Bajrangbali. I said, Okay. You want me to be Bajrangbali? Okay, but you remember, I said, Hanuman was the eternal celibate. And he cracked up laughing. He was slapping his thighs. He was so, he just laughed like crazy. <clears throat> it was like he knew something. I don't know what it was. And then he looked at me and he said, okay, wise guy, you'll be Janaka. You'll have yoga and poke. Yog means yoga. And Bhog is worldly enjoyments. And King Janaka, who was Sita's father, adopted father, was a Raja Rishi. He was a, a king, but he was also enlightened. So, uh, <clears throat> theoretically, Hanuman is conceived and, and shown as, as Brahmachari, no question about it. But there's many stories. There happens to be a story about the... Uh, the, uh, the, the, um, uh, I don't even know what to call it, the, uh, the beginning of the Tibetan people, the race of, of the Tibetans people. <clears throat> and the story is that there was a celibate monkey god, how many of those are there, meditating up in the Himalayas. <clears throat> and a demoness, fell in love with him and went up to him and proposed that they, they get together, they get married. And he said, you know, no, I can't do that. I'm not doing that these days. I'm, I'm you know, celibate. And she said, well, if you don't marry me, if you don't mate with me, I'll kill myself. And he said, all right, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. So the story goes that he spoke to his boss and he got uh, the night off, or the life off, I don't know. And from that mating, the Tibetan people descended. And that actually, that story is well known in Tibet. And it was told 
by the Dalai Lama to Bob Thurman. Because many years ago in the 80s, uh, His Holiness came to America. <clears throat> and it was during the time they were having these um, uh, gatherings where uh, they were organizing politically and social, social uh, action against the, the right-wing Christians were trying to get Darwinism thrown out of public schools, the teaching of Darwinism, the evolution of the species. They wanted to get that thrown out of the schools because they would say, you know, it's not in the Bible. So His Holiness heard about that and he said to Bob, well, let's go down there. I'll talk to them. I'll tell them how men can be descended from monkeys. And he was talking about this story of Hanuman. So Bob said, uh, uh, Your Holiness, I don't think uh, we should go. And they didn't. Do you ever feel sad that you didn't know about Hanuman or Maharaji when you were younger? I did. A lot when I was a lot younger than I am now. Uh, at some point, you say you're, you're tortured by these thoughts, you're haunted by these thoughts. <clears throat> Things are the way they are for a reason. And one has to live with it. One the things one can change, one can change. The things one can't change, like the past, one can't change. But you can change the way you live in this moment. And to be haunted by these kind of thoughts is simply uh, self-hatred and self-destructive tendencies that you're clothing in semi-spiritual words. You're using those words, but the program is, is self-destruction. And you're destroying your happiness and you're destroying your peace of mind and using that storyline to do it. It's not accurate, it's not reasonable, it's not healthy, and it's not good for you to be doing that to yourself. If that's what you want to be doing, then, you know, you can do it, but uh, it's not necessary to do that to yourself. Instead, examine why you, you feel you need to hurt yourself like that and try to let go of those stories. And that comes, the power to do that, the strength to do that comes through practice. We all have our stories. We can all find millions of things to feel bad about and to haunt ourselves with, things we've done or things we didn't do and should have done or could have done. But right now, those things are in the past. And if we want the future to be easier when it arrives, then we have to deal with those things now. So don't do that to yourself. You don't have to. It's not required. It's really not required. And it's not, it's not what you really want to be doing to yourself. You want to be happy. But this those kind of thoughts and that storyline is fulfilling a function in your psychological makeup. You're, you're, the story itself is, uh, is reverberating through your, your, your being. And why do you have that story? Only you can find out and only you can help to release that energy, that negative energy from your psyche. Practice will help to do that but you also have to pay attention and notice what you're doing to yourself. You're not going to be able to say, I'm doing it because of this, but you'll notice that it's not what you truly want to be feeling. It's just something you can't help but do to yourself at this point. And that's... Uh, we're all like that to some extent. Everybody doing it to themselves all the time. So, how to decide between continuing to stay alone in another country, I'm not sure what you mean by alone, but, or go back to India and live with family and other social relations. Feel conscious enough to dive back into the pool of Maya, but confused. Uh, sweetheart, Maya is not somewhere else. Maya is thinking that you're really thinking those things. 
Maya is, is who you think you are. And, uh, and you think this is not Maya? And you think you're ever away from the people in your, in your psychic makeup? And uh, it's not like that. And <clears throat> I guarantee you're not conscious enough to go back to your family and not, and not have that bring up a lot of stuff in you. But you think uh, when you're, uh, you're so-called alone here, you think that stuff is gone, but it's not gone. It's just suppressed. So you have to decide what, what you want in life. Do you want to be free or do you want to be... Uh, you, do you want to not deal with your stuff? It's, it's, you don't have to. But at some point, uh, you, you, you might, one might recognize that one has to deal with their stuff or they will never... be able to get what they really want in life. For instance, when I, I, when I understood that I had to chant with people, I, I recognized that I had to do it or I would never be able to clean out the dark corners in my own heart. And every day, I'm still doing that. But, so for me, it was, it was sing or, swim or sink. You know, either stay in this darkness with, with this un, unworked out bullshit in my, in my heart, all the pain and suffering and negativity, or start doing something to release it. So in that case, I started to chant because I wanted to be free. And I can't say I'm free now by any means, but I'm doing the best I can. So you do the best you can and see what that means to you. But Maya is not somewhere else. It's right there where you are. For those of you who don't know what Maya means, Maya simply <clears throat> means illusion or believing things that aren't actually the way they are. Like seeing a, seeing a rope coiled up outside the house in the, in the early evening when it's dusk. You come out of the house and you see that rope and you think it's a snake. It looks just like a snake and you feel the, the fear. This could be a cobra. And, you know, you, you panic and you whatever, whatever, whatever. But then you turn, get a flashlight and look at it and it's just a snake. This is subjective reality. This is what we do all the time. All the time. All the time. 24 hours a day, we are seeing our own projections, all of us. So inside of that delusion, we start to do a practice. And little by little, gradually but inevitably, those delusions are released. And the thoughts that torture us and the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, the way we see ourselves, the way we see other people, it all begins to change from the inside out through practice. There's no way to rip it open. You have to just gently uncover it over time. <clears throat> Why did Hanuman expose his heart by ripping his chest open? Is this the cave of the heart? Not necessarily. The cave of the heart kind of refers to a specific thing. It's called the hridayam. And it's the, it, my understanding is that it's the seat of consciousness in the body. It's the point where awareness enters into the body. It is not the heart chakra, it is something else. But it's, it's beyond my pay grade. So, but the story about Hanuman is simply that uh, after the war was over, <clears throat> um, either the gods or Sri Ram gave Sita this beautiful necklace, right? Beautiful pearl necklace. 
And uh, I guess Sitaji gave it to Hanumanji. And he took, takes it and he's looking at it, he's looking at it. And he takes one of the beads and he bites down on it and breaks it. He looks, he throws it away. He bites down on another one and breaks it and looks, he throws it away. And he started, and Sita said, Hanuman, what are you doing? You're such a fool. You know, what are you doing? That necklace is so valuable. And he says, Ma, you know, to me, if Ram is not in, if Sita Ram is not in it, then there's no value to me at all. And she said, but where's Sita Ram in you? That's when he took his fingernail and he cut his chest open. And inside, every bone, every cell of his body had Sita Ram in it, on it, in it, everywhere. So that's the story. Spiritually speaking, if your karma was to be born, if one's karma was to be born in, in a, into a very chaotic, abusive family, if you leave when you're young and have forgiven them in your heart, is it necessary to talk to them and heal in person in terms of working on your karma in this lifetime? I don't know. I don't know. This is something you have to really listen to your own heart about. I don't think there's any pressure to make a decision about it. Uh, one would have to think, why would, would, why would you want to go back to that family, to, to be with that family? If you've truly forgiven them in your heart, then it's no question. You can either be there or not be there. It won't, if you've really digested that pain, then there's no uh, attachment anymore, no more, no more buttons that could be pushed by being back with that family. If you truly, if one, but that's really big time, you know. I'm not saying you haven't done that, but that's big. And if you have done that, and whoever can do that is amazing because very hard for us to really move through all the levels of trauma in our minds and our bodies and our emotions, really, really intense stuff. But if that was your situation and you feel you've, over, you've overcome the, the negative effects of it, well, there wouldn't be any downside to, to, to relating with them again. But if you think you have something to prove to them, subtly you want them to see that you're no longer hurt by them or no longer uh, vulnerable, then that means you still, you're still stuck somewhere. You still have something to prove. Which is, I'm not saying that you, you should be blamed for that. I'm just saying that be aware if that's one of the things that's going on because that will create, that, you'll, that will bring you back into that situation and it will, there'll be a lot more suffering to come up because of that. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. If you can truly sit and wish them well in your heart and truly feel at ease and at peace with it, then you don't, I don't think you need to go back. But then if it happens that you do go back, it, it wouldn't be a big deal. But something tells me that it's a very rare situation that we totally get over that. And totally, even if we're able to forgive, uh, we don't forget. And I think there's probably a lot of subtle lingering pain in us about things that happened to us, many things that we've even forgotten. But anyway, whatever you do, you know, bring Maharaji with you and uh, all the best. So here's another question, like, are there reg are, are regrets non-existent in Buddhism? 
Unfortunately, I have a couple of regrets that I made over 30 years ago. I have struggled with them for so long. How can I release them and move on for good? I'm so tired of carrying that heartache. Well, one has to learn to be, to take it easy on oneself and forgive oneself. We, most of the things we've done in life, we've been, <clears throat> we've done totally unconsciously, totally in reactive mode to the things that happening. Many times we've hurt people and we haven't wanted to. Many times we couldn't avoid not giving someone what they wanted or actually hurting someone uh, in one way or another. Uh, one has to learn to not just only wish others well, but one also has to be able to wish oneself well. That's why the, the loving-kindness meditation, which would be a wonderful practice for you, and Sharon and I, by the way, Sharon Salzberg and I are doing a retreat together called The Power of the Loving Heart at Kripalu. Well, it's beyond Zoom, of course, uh, March 19th and 20th. And if you don't know her and don't know her teaching, uh, you can, I would really uh, suggest that you check into that. Because... <clears throat> the first step in loving-kindness meditation is to offer oneself loving-kindness and friendship. It's very difficult. The last step is to be able to offer it to everyone in, in the whole world. But the first step is to start to wish ourselves well, allow ourselves to be okay, to feel okay which means dealing with all that stuff like forgiveness for the things we've done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very wonderful, deep technique. Metta, M-E-T-T-A, metta, loving kindness meditation. So yeah, I don't know about, it's not that there aren't regrets in Buddhism, it's that there, having regret would be a, um, Uh, uh, like a poison in the mind. And in Buddhism, there are antidotes. They, that's how they look at it. There's, you have this poison, there's an antidote for that poison. You have this kind of uh, negativity, there's an antidote for that. There's a medicine for that. Apply the, the medicine, apply the antidote, and then the poison is neutralized. So all the things we do to ourselves, in a sense, are poison. We're poisoning our own being with our own negative thoughts and emotions, etc., etc. <clears throat> so Buddhism is very, very specific about ways to overcome that, ways to apply these antidotes. The repetition of the name is an antidote. It's a medicine. The medicine of the name will remove suffering from our, our hearts and minds also. So there are many different types of antidotes. Is it better to chant alone or in a kirtan space? When I chant alone, I, I itch to go deeper. I want to go deeper. I think that's what you're saying. When I chant the, something with my, with my harmonium alone, I go deeper. Oh, I see. Can you explain this? Um, no, <laughs> I can't. Only you know what you're experiencing. I have no, I, I don't have a clue. So uh, at this point, there's no space to go to chant with people, so chant at home. For me, um, <clears throat> my epiphany about chanting way back when was that if I, I had to chant with people in order for this practice to work for me. And here we are, all those years later, so... That's just the way it works for me. I do chant alone, and I chant with people. And in some ways they're different, in some ways they're the same, but whatever they are, when you're chanting, 
you're chanting, you're doing your practice. Uh, I don't know, deeper or not deeper. It's the fact that you're repeating the name. It's not about... It's not about being uh, evaluating how you're doing. If you're really lost in repeating the name or really involved in repeating them, then you're not thinking about how you're doing. Maybe afterward you think, wow, that was a great meditation. Then you trip and fall on something on the floor because you're not paying attention. So I don't know. It's up to you. Do this, do that, do that, do this. What does it matter? Uh, when Maharaji came, all was fine. His absence brought back all my past desires and they seemed to take me further away from him. I assume that you're not talking about when he came physically, when he, you had an experience of his presence. Uh, all my past died and they seemed to take me further away from him. He said to kill desires if you want to see God. How have you dealt with this? <clears throat> well, I haven't seen God. <laughs> Everybody has to find their own, their own way to deal with life and to go through the day. Uh, do some practice. Don't think so much. You'll never understand it anyway. So what's the sense of thinking about it all the time? You want to get laid, get laid. You want to get a job, get a job. You want to get a car, get a car. You want to eat this, you want to eat that, eat this, eat that. Uh, yeah, he said to us, you want the chai? Don't take it. Can you do that? Can you not take the chai and not be thinking about it all day? Gee, I really wish I could have taken that chai. I'm not going to take that chai. The chai's in your head. Letting go of desires is not so easy. There are ways to practice with that and play with that inside, you know, to go through periods where you, uh, where you uh, isolate yourself from the world a little bit, periods for short periods of time. If you push yourself into some, try to reshape yourself into some mold that you think is more spiritual, you're just going to get yourself screwed up more than you already are. Be in the world, be in a good way, try to become a good human being, care about other people, think about other people, don't think about yourself all the time. That's a big job. Hanuman, very specifically, not only gives liberation by allowing us to merge with him, but in that process, he makes it possible for us to satisfy the desires that we need to satisfy in order to get on with it. We have hungers. This body has hungers. It needs to breathe, it needs to eat, it needs to shit, it needs to fuck, it needs all, all kinds of things. You can't just say, I'm not doing that. If you do, you'll find the pressure building up and it'll make you crazy. So, let's... You know, I don't know if this, if you think, if what I'm saying makes sense to you, fine. If it doesn't, fine. But you ask me how I'm dealing with it. This is how I've dealt with it. When I was hungry, I ate. What can I tell you? I don't really understand forgiving someone who hasn't apologized. Forgiveness should be earned. Who says so? If you don't forgive someone that's hurt you, where is the pain? Where is that anger hiding? Where is that anger pushing you around? Over there? In the other person? No, in yourself. Forgiveness is what you have to do to, to open your own heart and to free yourself from the negativity. It's not about the other person. That's secondary. The pain is in here. And if you can't release the pain, 
you'll suffer. When you're angry at someone else, like one time a, a, a farmer came to the Buddha and the farmer's son had left the farm and become a monk, leaving this old guy to do all the work himself on his farm and he was really pissed off. And he came to the Buddha and he started, you know, blah, 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 you know, giving him a hard time. And when he was finished, the Buddha said, old man, can I ask you a question? Yeah. He said, if you bring me a gift and I don't accept it, where does the gift remain? Well, it remains with me. So the Buddha said, just so, old man, I'm not accepting the gift of your anger. It remains with you. Hello. Don't forgive. That's okay. That anger will eat your heart up. That anger will infiltrate everything you try to do. It'll destroy your life, depending on how big it is. If it's just a little anger, okay, it'll destroy your, your left foot or something. But if it's a big hurt and you can't release that energy, who suffers? You're not doing it for someone else. You're doing it for yourself. And if you don't think that you are worthy of being free of that suffering, then no one can help you except yourself. And I speak to all of us and I speak to myself, not just to you. <laughs> I met someone that used to meditate every day and has been doing so for more than 10 years. I believed it was a healthy-minded person, but looking closely, not at all. How come? Sweetheart, I've been chanting for 50 years and I'm still the same schmuck I always was. So what can I tell you? <laughs> Maybe I don't think I am quite as often, but... Basically, I think I'm the same schmuck I always was. Judging other people is a waste of time. You used to think one thing, now you think another thing. Later, you'll think another thing. You're only seeing yourself and your own subjective, evaluative tendencies. Based on what? How do you know what that person, his inner thoughts or her inner thoughts are? How do you know what pains that person brought into this life and, and how that person was hurt and betrayed and that meditation practice is helping that person get through the day. Who are you to judge whether that person is, is what's the word, uh, healthy-minded or not? Just evaluating the way you do proves that you're not healthy-minded. I'm sorry, I, I'm just being an asshole, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? We're evaluating everybody, so we're the ones with the problem. Let other people be who they are. What are you going to do? What did that guy take this, the splinter or the mode out of your own eye first before you try to take it out of somebody else's? Same story. Same story. The answer to every problem is do your own practice. See how judgmental we are. See how reactive we are. See how we always think we're right about everything? See how the way we think about other people always relates to how they deal with us? It's all about me. How do they, are they good to me or are they bad to me? Are they honest or are they lying? Are they pleasing or are they hurting? All of the center of the universe is me, 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 me. So, of course, everything is clouded and, and subjective. Let's, let's see if we can release the heaviness of this me, 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 me. And then that love will come, will manifest. That non-judgmental space, that openness. And we will experience the blessings of that. And in so doing, we will be liberating other people from our, the subjective prison we put everybody in all the time. Let them be who they are. If it's, if it's not something you can live with, then don't live with it. Find a way to separate from them if you have to.
But you can't change a person. The only thing we can change is ourselves. As Sylvia Bornstein said, uh, you don't, don't, throw any per, don't throw anyone out of your heart. You can throw them out of your life, <laughs> but you don't have to throw them out of your heart. That's good advice, but very difficult because when we get angry, we want to blow them off. And that's not coming from the best possible place. So uh, thank you. Uh, we'll sing a little bit. When we sit down to sing, yeah, let everything go. Listen to the name. Listen to the sound that you are singing. And when you know, notice that you're not paying attention, pay attention. Keep listening. When your thoughts take you away, you'll come back. And when you come back, you'll hear the name again. Keep listening. Every time you come back, is good. If you go away and don't come back, that's not good. <laughs> but of course you won't know because you'll be gone. So that's why we add a practice to our lives. Something brings us back home again and again and again and gradually we learn to sit more deeply in ourselves and our negative thoughts, emotions, storylines, pain and betrayal, they don't hurt us the same way. And when they don't hurt us, we don't hurt others. Shankara Namah Shivaya 
Shambho Shankara Namah Shivaya Vireja Shankara Namah Shivaya Shambho Shankara Namah Shivaya Vireja Shankara Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya, Namah Shivaya, Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya, Namah Shivaya, Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. Shambhu Shankara Namah Shivaya Vidya Shankara Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya Shankara Namah Shivaya Vireja Shankara Namah Shivaya Shambhuya Namah Shivaya Vireja Shankara Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya Guru Charan Sarodaraja Nijimana Mukur Sudari Paranora Guvarabimala Jasu Jodaya Kupalachari Buddhihin Tanujanike Sumeram Pavan Kumar Siaram Balabuddhi Vidya Dehumohi Aru kalesh bekar, 
सत्तारो रघुपति के दास तुम्हारे भजन राम को पावे जन्म जन्म के दुख बिसरावे हनुमान गोसाई कपा करो गुरुदेव की नाई जो सत बार पाट कर को मंगलमूर्ति मारुत नंद सकल अमंगलमूल कलमूर्ति मारुत नंद सकल अमंगलमूल कंद राम जय राम जय जय राम राम जय राम जय जय राम राम जय राम जय जय राम श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम सीताराम जय सीताराम 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 राम जय राम जय जय राम श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम राम जय राम जय जय राम श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम know anything about a path at all it's only because of the great beings that have gone before us on this path out of their love out of their kindness they left some footprints for us to follow so in the same way that they wish for us we wish that all beings everywhere all of us 
Be safe. Be happy. That all of us have good health and enough to eat. And may we all live in peace and at ease of heart. At ease of heart with whatever comes to us in life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNowToday to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.